0: This is the Navigating Adult ADHD podcast, here to help you navigate and thrive with ADHD in adulthood. I'm your host, Zena, and I was diagnosed at age 36. As with many ADHDers, I have a rebellious and non-conformist style, and that means that there will likely be swearing in the coming episode. Please be mindful of any little people. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the podcast. We are going to be talking today and also next week, so for our next two episodes, about dopamine, all things dopamine. And I am very excited to bring this to you. And there is just so much information that I think is so important to know and understand. So we have, or I have rather, decided to split this into two episodes because otherwise it's going to be a bit of overkill or a lot to take in I think and I really want to encourage you to absorb. So we are going to start today by talking about what dopamine is and the role that it plays in our brains. I'm going to share with you some specific activities that impact our dopamine and talk about by how much they impact it, how much they um, can increase our dopamine levels. Speaking of dopamine levels, we're going to talk about a baseline level and understanding what that means for each of us and how that relates to those of us with ADHD, why it's really important to understand it. And also we're going to talk about how specific dopamine producing activities take us below that baseline and can sometimes keep us below that baseline for a long period of time. I'm also going to talk about the importance of how you think about specific activities and perceive certain activities and how that directly affects the amount of dopamine you do or do not experience. This is some fascinating shit my friends. That's what we've got on the agenda for this week and the following week we're going to be talking a little bit more about female hormones and although there's not a lot of research out there I want to talk about what I have discovered and the research that is available as it relates to hormone changes, perimenopause and dopamine. We're also going to cover smartphones, we're going to talk about how to maintain a higher level of baseline dopamine so therefore how to feel good more often and we're going to talk about all the other things that dopamine does, mood and feeling good being one of those things. Um, And also I'm going to share with you one incredible way that we can actually sustain a good feeling and overall well-being, more energy, more focus, one specific dopamine producing activity that actually doesn't have a negative impact as much and we can actually sustain it for a long period of time but don't worry if this sort of stuff isn't making sense just yet because I'm going to explain it all (laughs) but trust me you're going to want to hear this and then I'm also going to talk about intrinsic motivation and how to add dopamine to doing hard things okay without it having a negative impact overall. So that's what we're gonna be covering and that's why we've dec- I've decided to do it in two episodes. All right, because we've got a lot of good shit to talk about my friends. So let's start out with dopamine. Dopamine is a neurotransmitter in our brain. Now what that means is it's basically responsible for overseeing a bunch of things. So you can think of it as like a conductor in an orchestra. So if you've got the orchestra, all the musicians in front of you with their various different instruments, the conductor is the person leading them and, you know, telling them what note to play and how high to play it, all of that. Kind of instructing them where to go and what to do. That is essentially, in a very simplified version, what dopamine does for us in our brain. Dopamine is responsible for motivation. It is responsible for drive, for pleasure and for desire. Okay, so it's also very important to understand that it plays a role in regulating our mood and our emotional responses. Now, for any of my fellow ADHDers out there, you're going to hear me talking about a lot of the things that we have covered off in the executive functions episode, right? Dopamine is the leader, <laughs> the boss, <laughs> should we say, of many of our executive functions. So cognitive functions such as uh, attention, learning, memory, problem solving. It also helps with information processing, decision making. And uh, it is definitely impacts our ability to uh, understand time. Okay, so if we have any issues with time, time management and, you know, anticipating how long tasks are going to take, this is also very directly related to our dopamine and how our dopamine is circulating throughout our system and how much we have. Okay, so just to recap that again, dopamine is responsible for motivation, drive, pleasure, desire, right, all those reward um, drive kind of systems in the brain as well as Basically all of our executive functions. So it is a messenger that helps transmit signals around the brain. And as I said, it plays a crucial role in various functions. So when you understand dopamine and what it does, you can begin to better manage it and use the various dopamine increasing activities to your advantage Okay, and what I'm saying is, you can, when you understand dopamine and how it works, and the impact and consequences of certain behaviors that we may use to increase our dopamine, when you understand that, you will understand how you can create more self motivation, more drive, and also enjoy pleasure and desire and reward, as well as better support all of those executive functions that I just talked about. Okay, so things like, you know, making decisions, memory, um, all of that. So, for those of us with ADHD, I want to start there. For those of us with ADHD, we have abnormalities in the dopamine system that therefore contribute to the, the symptoms that we experience with ADHD. However, the exact nature of what those abnormalities are does vary amongst individuals with ADHD. But what we do know is that everyone who has ADHD, we have uh, less dopamine moving around our system than most neurotypical people and I use most the word most very loosely and you will understand why probably throughout this episode okay so to go back to that orchestra example it would be like saying and I'm I'm speaking specifically to my ADHD community it would be like saying the conductor is using toothpicks rather than a baton right so you know that long stick that a, a conductor has he's <laughs> got that long sticky waves around right instead of using that, it's like using toothpicks. Okay. So that's kind of what's happening in the ADHD brain is some of the musicians aren't getting the message or they're not getting it in time or, you know, they're not seeing it at all. And it's overall impacting their performance, their ability to, you know, to play, to do what they need to do and the outcome that they create. Okay. So, I think it's fair to say that dopamine is actually incredibly important for all humans, not just those of us with ADHD, but for everyone. And I want to give a shout out to all of my midlife women, anyone who is, you know, experiencing hormonal changes, perimenopause, menopause. Having an awareness of dopamine, I think, is going to help you hugely throughout that process as well. Okay. so as I was saying, it helps all humans to understand it. when sorry, it will help you when you do understand it to feel better. So that's one of the reasons. If you want to feel better and you want to improve your mood, then understanding how dopamine works in your system and how you can harness it and use it for yourself is gonna be crucial to that. Um for anyone who wants more motivation and drive, of course, my fellow ADHD is right, of course we want some more of that. Then this is it. Let's talk about the dopamine and let's understand that and how we can use it. Okay. I, myself, in doing this research, and I've been doing it now, uh, I want to say probably about a week, <laughs> I've spent, I've lost track of hours, it's one of those things where my ADHD hyperfocus kicked in, and I went down a rabbit hole learning about dopamine from various sources, but it has been incredibly empowering, and like mind-blowing in the best way to have this level of awareness that I now now have, and I'm able to share with you all, okay, so let's start with this. We each have a different base level of dopamine. Okay, and remembering that those of us with ADHD, that level is lower than most neurotypical folks. And the way I like to visualize this in my brain is I think of a gas tank. So if we were to say that the majority of neurotypical people had a gas tank that was half full all the time and they didn't let their gas tank get below half full okay those of us with ADHD our gas tank is about a quarter full maybe a little closer to empty sometimes and that is our baseline that is where our tank always sits okay now that baseline level that we have is different for each of us, every human, okay, a lot of that is going to relate to genetics, some of it also relates to, you know, other things that happen in our brain, in our body, that dopamine works with, such as um, norepinephrine, which is a fancy way of saying adrenaline, um, again, you know, it can vary from person to person, so that that a baseline level and how much is in your gas tank for the majority of the time it will vary for slightly from person to person okay now when we talk about dopamine we also want to understand that dopamine and norepinephrine which is the fancy term for adrenaline okay and, and adrenaline is like that um that thing that you experience when you you get a fright like if somebody was to, you know, jump out of a, a, a cupboard when you're walking down the hallway and give you a fright, your adrenaline kicks in and you're like highly alert and focused and like, <gasps> like you, and especially once you know that you're okay, you like, but your, your body's still got that adrenaline pumping through it and kind of um, starting that fight or flight response. Okay. So dopamine and norepinephrine or adrenaline, right? They are like family members, Which means that they go most places together. So when you get an increase in dopamine, you usually get an increase in norepinephrine. Good news for my fellow ADHDers, because we are low in those two things. We are typically low in dopamine and norepinephrine. Okay, win-win. Stay with me. So dopamine determines how we feel generally. So, our overall mood, okay? So, one of the things I noticed around the time I was diagnosed with ADHD, although I knew I'd had it for a while, or I suspected I had, I hadn't been, you know, clinically diagnosed. I noticed that my overall mood had dropped, and I went from being someone who was, you know, most of the time pretty happy going, easy go lucky, more positive, and all as well, to somebody who just felt meh most of the time. Like neither here nor there, didn't really give a shit about much. And I wasn't depressed, I wasn't unhappy, it was just meh most of the time. And what I now know is this is actually something that can happen to a lot of women as their hormones start to change and they start to enter into perimenopause and then into menopause is as it relates to our 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 mood, our mood can change, and we can get into this apathetic place, but also with the fluctuation in our our hormones, and if we have ADHD, our dopamine symptoms increasing, uh, sorry, our ADHD symptoms increasing, our dopamine levels decreasing, this all kind of compiles to a very low mood, is what I am saying, okay, which is what I had experienced, and now with you know, the awareness I have of hormones, which is another podcast coming soon, with the awareness I have of dopamine, etc., we can actually do certain things to help increase our overall mood, which I will talk a little bit more about in our part two episode, okay? Uh, So dopamine is also what you Experience when you enjoy something. So, if you have an experience, maybe you go skydiving and you really enjoy it. Like there's dopamine that you experience um, when you enjoy it, or when you have, you know, a delicious meal. You something that's pleasurable, and you enjoy. You're experiencing dopamine. It's also what you have when you crave something. If you crave chocolate, or if you are craving um, an alcoholic drink, you are craving. Your your dopamine is the thing that is both driving that and it's also the thing that gives you that pleasure when you have it, which I'm going to further explain. We typically associate dopamine and the good feelings we get with things like doing a good workout. Okay, so if you do a good workout, if you're this is if you're a person who enjoys exercise, right? Like I like to go for a run Uh, after that run. I typically feel really good throughout the day and I am then experiencing dopamine that release in my system of a good feeling chemical. Also, if, if I if you go out for a nice meal with your friends last night, I actually went out for a beautiful dinner with my partner we had a window seat in a restaurant with a gorgeous view of the ocean and we had a lovely meal together and a couple of drinks and I experienced dopamine prior to that because I was looking forward to it and that dopamine is released when you're looking forward to something in the anticipation of as well as during the event and then this is where it varies is is when it drops off afterwards okay now Here is something that is incredibly, incredibly important to know, okay? ADHD is pay attention. What happens after you have a pleasurable dopamine experience is your dopamine drops below your baseline. So for most people, their tank is half full. My ADHD is, I want you to think that our our tank is about a quarter full, all right? We're running quite low, right? When we have a dopamine release, like maybe we've, you know, um, gone for a run or we've been for a meal out with our friends. After that, when our levels start to return, they don't return back to their normal baseline point. They drop below it. Okay. Now, here is why I really want to emphasize this point, because when we chase dopamine, When we get too much of a good thing too often, it does have a negative impact on us. So too much of a good thing here really does become a not good thing. I thought of an example I could give you from my own life. So I am generally somebody who enjoys eating healthy. And I would say I'm kind of like the 80-20 sort of a person. However last Christmas I took indulging a little too far and I started eating the Christmas food um, a few days before Christmas and I started getting into it and I was having a lot of alcohol. I was drinking bubbles every night with strawberries and then there was desserts and there was lots of croissants and, and a lot of you know way less kind of healthy food and a lot of you know high carb high sugar kind of food that I would normally just have more in moderation. And this went on for a period of two two and a half kind of weeks and it was just constant and when I eventually went back to my more regular healthy eating habits I experienced a big drop in my mood and I was feeling really reluctant to do it and all I was craving was all of those things that I wasn't now having I felt really low and I wasn't enjoying eating healthy so what happened here is I was having more and more of these dopamine producing things but I needed more and more of them to get the same kind of a hit. So I went from having one glass of bubbles to having two glasses to bubbles up to three glasses of bubbles every night because I needed more and more and more to get that similar kind of a hit. But what I didn't realize is gradually over time when that dopamine was wearing off is it was plunging below my baseline. And it would stay down for longer and it would go further back, further back, further back. So my level of my baseline level of dopamine was slowly decreasing, and I was spending more time in that area than in the, the more pleasurable area. Okay. Dopamine has everything to do with how you feel overall. Okay, that overall mood that you experience, it has everything to do with motivation and your ability to push through and use effort to accomplish things. So you may have met someone who has no drive, no ambition, someone who you might perceive as lazy, and that person will have a very low base level of dopamine. Many of my as will relate to this, having you know perhaps being referred to at some time in your life as being lazy or you know lacking in drive and ambition. My school report was one of the ones that said would do she, would do well if she applied herself, <laughs> and that kind of leads to the idea that you know she's lazy, she's not applying herself. When in actual fact, I didn't know at that stage that I had ADHD. I had a lower baseline level of dopamine than most people in my class therefore that explains that now the opposite of that is also true so for the people that you have met who seem highly energetic and very excitable they typically have a slightly higher level baseline level of dopamine than most other humans okay back to that gas tank example if you think about instead of being at half full They might be somewhere up towards three quarters full. That might be their their baseline where their level sits most of the time. So here is something really awesome to know. We can get higher levels of dopamine that actually stay with us for a sustained period of time, as in a number of hours, without using medication. Now, medication when prescribed for ADHD, for example, is one way we can do this, but there are other ways that we can do this, which I'm going to share with you all. Now, typically, most activities that increase dopamine are very short-lived and they also plunge us below baseline afterwards. And it's not that we bounce back up very quickly. We actually can stay down for a period of time. that can also directly relate to what the activity is, which I'll explore more. But we are going to explore specifically one thing I'm going to give you in the second part of this episode that we can do that has a huge positive impact on dopamine levels. Those of us with ADHD, those of us without, huge. Okay, stick with me. Now, again, when you understand dopamine when you understand it, which is my aim of these two episodes, you can begin to better manage it and use the various dopamine increasing activities to your advantage, whilst also monitoring the consequences of using certain dopamine related experiences and understanding why certain things might happen after certain activities. Okay, so let's talk about what increases dopamine and how much. So when you do certain activities or when you ingest certain substances your dopamine levels will rise typically for a short period of time. Okay? So the this is all based on studies that have been done and I will uh recommend I will actually I'll grab the details at the end and I'll tell you where you can get more information if you do wish to look at it, okay? So first of all These averages, as I said, have been measured throughout studies. So chocolate typically will take your dopamine levels 1.5 times above baseline. That's quite a good increase, 1.5 times. However, when you have that chocolate, it will go away after a few minutes, if not a few seconds. It is very short-lived. So having sex is another one. So it's both having sex, so the actual act of having sex with someone, but also the act of pursuing someone, whether that is foreplay or perhaps you know you've just met someone at a bar and you're you are looking at going home together, like the pursuit of and the act of having sex typically will double. So two times your baseline level of dopamine. Okay. Nicotine, so cigarettes, is 2.5 times however very, very short-lived. It will only last a matter of seconds. The next one here is cocaine. And that is 2.5 times. I'm not recommending you go out and do cocaine. And then we've got amphetamines. And this is one of the main categories that ADHD medication will fall into. Amphetamines typically 10 times is your baseline level of dopamine. Okay. Now caffeine is a really interesting one because many people associate caffeine with having a stimul you know being stimulated. I myself don't. I don't feel that I get a high or, you know, anything that comes with it, although I do enjoy drinking it. There is obviously some dopamine attached, but caffeine will increase your dopamine a minimal amount. However, When you do have caffeine in the form of coffee or tea, okay, so the more natural forms of caffeine, not the ones that have been, um, uh, what's the word I want, like ground down and put into things like energy drinks and all of that, right? We're talking about natural sources of caffeine. When you do have that, having caffeine will actually help you to move the dopamine around your system when it is produced. So I think of it as much like a lubricant of sorts. It helps to ease things up and move things around our brains. Okay, now as I said this is very different to energy drinks, any like sodas that have caffeine in them, pre-workouts. Those, although yes they do increase your dopamine levels, they will you know the amount that increases your dopamine it will take that and these haven't been measured i don't have any studies for this but it will let's say it two times as your dopamine levels it will take that and it will have the the negative of that so it will two two times minus your dopamine levels afterwards and it will stay that way for a period of time okay so when we talk about like your baseline dropping below baseline afterwards pretty much all activities we do that bring about dopamine will have us drop below our baseline, but certain activities will have us drop below further and stay below for longer. Okay. So be mindful of those activities and I'm going to talk a bit more about them. Exercise is a great one because I myself know I have experienced huge dopamine and I associate dopamine with exercise. However, and this was really fascinating to learn, it will differ. The amount of dopamine increase you get will differ depending on how much you enjoy the activity you are doing, which is gonna be so unique to each of us. So if you love it, you love the activity you're doing, and you know you enjoy it, then on average, you will get a two times increase in your dopamine. It will double, okay? If you don't enjoy it, Or you don't enjoy it that much, it will be less of an increase or no increase at all. Okay. Now, as with most activities that increase dopamine that we engage in, and I'm not talking about what we ingest, I'm talking about like actual activities that we do, right? What we think about those activities will have a huge impact on the amount of dopamine that we get from them. Okay, so our prefrontal cortex, the front part of our brain, which attaches meaning to something, right? We have a thought about the activity and that generates a feeling. So the meaning that we attach to something, how we think about it is going to impact our dopamine levels okay so we can manipulate this in a very positive way <laughs> i don't think manipulate is the right word but we can use this to our advantage because we can encourage ourselves to think about something and and enjoy it as we're doing it even if it is difficult say exercise for example and then we can increase the level of dopamine we experience during and after the activity okay now also what we think about in general can increase our levels of dopamine. It doesn't have to be specific to an activity. Okay, Thinking about something you enjoy can evoke dopamine. It can bring it about in your brain. You have likely experienced this when you've shared a memory with someone of a holiday you've been on. Right? If you're retelling a story about something that happened on holiday that you really loved and enjoyed, you will have been experiencing a dopamine release in your brain. Okay, You would have had that feel good experience. So for me, when I'm out with my friends and they say, how are your cats? Because I'm a crazy cat lady. And I start telling them about all of my cat stories and pulling out my phone and showing them photos. I get a huge release in dopamine because I'm thinking about something I like and enjoy and sharing it. All right. When you get fired up and passionate and excited about something, you can experience an increase in your dopamine levels. Okay. We can also do this with hard work and with studying and submitting a project. You can experience a, an increase in dopamine depending on the meaning that you attach to that activity. Okay? You may not get an increase in your dopamine levels if you attach a meaning that doesn't, you know, evoke positive emotion and therefore dopamine. Okay? Now, this is why thought work Right? The style of coaching I do, thought work or CBT style coaching, so cognitive behavioral therapy coaching, <clears throat> is incredibly effective at helping people to feel better and get results. Because not only does it use your prefrontal cortex to be deliberate with the meaning that you attach to things, it also couples with your dopamine levels to place more emphasis here and create more of a good feeling. Okay, now this is why a lot of ADHD experts will encourage people with ADHD to pursue coaching, but also why all individuals can benefit hugely from coaching. Okay, and remember, if you want any help, I offer one-to-one coaching and I would love to work with you. So head over to my website and you can book a free consultation, ZenaJones.com. Okay. Now, one thing I want to talk about here is pre-workout. So pre-workout energy drinks. I started experimenting with these, oh gosh, maybe five or so years ago. I was house sitting for a friend and she had some and I thought, huh, I'll give that a go. And what I noticed is like the first time I had it, I had a huge stimulation prior to the activity, prior to going to the gym. And it gave me huge motivation to go and then perform really, really well, like do heavy weights you know, sustain the cardio longer, all of that. So it's giving you dopamine ahead of your dopamine producing activity, right? Now, last year I got into quite a bit of a habit of doing this and I noticed that it wasn't long before I needed more pre-workout as in one scoop wasn't enough, I needed two scoops or three scoops. I needed more and more to try and get that that level, that that dopamine amount prior to the workout to really get me energized to get out the door. But what was happening was the more I was taking, the less I was getting that that experience or that you know pre-workout um, high. And it also had a negative impact on my run because I was using it for running at the time. So my running was becoming less and less enjoyable, and and the the amount of dopamine I would get after the run was becoming less and less. So overall, the whole experience was becoming less pleasurable the more pre-workout I tried to use and the more I kind of relied and depended upon it. Now, this is because layering of dopamine can have a negative effect when done frequently. Layering of dopamine, if done every now and again, very sporadically, not a problem. It it's still going to decrease your baseline level of dopamine, but not for a sustained period of time. However, what I was doing is I was trying to spike my dopamine above baseline and then do a workout to spike it even more above baseline. And it worked well the first time, it worked okay the second time, and then it was just worse and worse and worse because what was happening was. I was spiking it, it wasn't going that high but it was going really low after and it was staying low for a longer and longer period of time and dropping lower and lower each time. So over time my baseline level, my average amount of dopamine in my system at all times was lower because I was trying to layer it and stimulate it so much. Okay. So dopamine layering as I said it it can it can have a really negative impact on you later in the day or for the following few days or weeks as some of the examples I have shared with you um, especially my Christmas example as well where I was like adding all of the food and the drink and all of that like and, and all of the you know Christmas festivities and activities and socializing and all of that like that was a lot of layering and then you experience that almost kind of depression or that lull and that that kind of really hard period that comes afterwards as a result and that is something you can also experience throughout those days as well when you tune in and pay attention. So the amount that our baseline level of dopamine drops is proportionate to the amount above that it goes up. So if it goes up two times above baseline level it'll drop two times below However, the more you keep stacking dopamine and trying to um, increase dopamine in unnatural ways, shall I say, uh, the more the longer it will stay down there. Okay. Um, I also thought of this as like a vulnerability hangover of sorts in that I know when I have gone and, you know, spoke at events that have been, you know incredibly pleasurable like whether you're you're like me and you get a bit nervous and afraid ahead of time it, it you know you then get that high afterwards where there is a lot of um dopamine and adrenaline and all these different things coursing through your systems and it's wonderful and you're, you're on cloud nine and it feels amazing and then often what you'll experience in the following couple of days is you're like low and you really wish you could do it again and And like you can kind of have that up and then that down. Right, another example I've got is when I I remember running a half marathon years ago and I felt so amazing and I had put so much thought into this ahead of time and the training was so hard and finally I'd done it and it just felt so incredible to have done it and I was having, you know, there's all the adrenaline and the dopamine running through my system and I remember going home and sitting on the couch and there was no one there and I was by myself and I just sat there and I felt shit. I was like is that it it's all done it's over but what had happened is I'd spiked my dopamine so high and then it had to come down and it went down below baseline and then I just felt really really flat and that is very common that is very normal as well when we spike our baseline when we spike our dopamine quite high we're also going to need to expect a crash for it to go below baseline now When we think about why our dopamine levels do drop below baseline, like why this happens in our bodies for all of us, one thing that I found really interesting in the research is that it does link back to our survival and our evolution as humans. Okay? So, as a human species designed to evolve, right? Dopamine is the driver of that happening. It drives us to seek things. So if you think back to like being in the caveman, cavewoman days, dopamine was what you got you to leave the cave and search for food to, you know, light fires and to hunt and to pick berries and do all of those things. Dopamine was what got you up and out the door to do that. And then when you get that dopamine reward, when you light the fire and you pick the berries and you get that reward, then you need that dopamine level to drop back down. So you need the release and the good feeling, which you get from getting it and succeeding, right? But then you need your dopamine level to go back down. Why? Because otherwise you would never get out the cave again. Right. So you need that that pleasure and that good feeling that your brain associates so that you go out and do it all over again. All right. So it's it's it makes sense when we think of it in that way as to why our levels fluctuate like they do. Okay. Now, when we overindulge in anything, that is what leads typically to addiction. Okay when say for example if we rely on cocaine to get our dopamine hit and give us that motivation and that drive to get things done what have you whatever you would use it for I don't know I haven't used it like you need more and more of it to get that same hit right the same is true for gambling if you've ever you know seen anyone who has gambled or anyone who has become addicted to alcohol they need more and more of it in order to get that same dopamine hit okay So that is, again, linked to dopamine. And what happens when you need more and more of it is, you know, take, for example, somebody I know who does this with alcohol. They, you know, went from having a couple of beers and feeling good to now they need 15, you know, 12 to 15 beers in a night to get what they think is a similar buzz Or a similar level of dopamine. However, remember there's that drop in baseline that impacts whether or not they want to pursue other things. So when people become addicted to certain things for their dopamine release, they lose motivation and drive in other areas of their life. Okay, so you may have seen this with someone else who you know who is addicted to certain things. They lose the drive to, you know... Pursue other goals to, you know, go out and meet other people, pursue a romantic relationship, whatever it is, right? When people get addicted to something, they have a less and less motivation and drive and they can very easily drop into a depression. So too much of a good thing becomes a not good thing. And it's directly related to dopamine. So pleasure and pain is also both kind of conducted by dopamine, which is interesting. And and when I mean like pain, I mean the pain of not having the thing that you want. So say for example, the alcohol. If you link alcohol to your outlet and your feel good buzz and your you know form of dopamine that you like, too much of that. When you don't have it, you perceive it as being painful, and you're needing it. You think you need it in order to feel good again. So that pleasure and pain in that instance is both being conducted by and driven by dopamine, okay? We experience it as wanting more of the thing that we're addicted to or more, wanting more of the thing that we, we have linked our, our good feeling or our, our motivation or what have you to. And the pain comes back in the form of a lack of dopamine, Okay. I wanted to give you another example of this so we've got um, kids in our house and it is very easy to see this in action with the amount of device time that they get so typically in the school holidays because we both my partner and I work from home they get more device time than they would regularly now that has a negative impact of course so The more they are on a device, and by a device I mean whether they are on an iPad or watching TV or playing on the Xbox, the more they do that, the less they want to do other activities such as scootering outside, playing outside, kicking a ball around, building a fort, what have you, right? Whereas when that device time is kept to a minimum which is regularly what would happen when school is in and you know when they're here on the weekends and that sort of a thing when device time is kept to a minimum they are more motivated to do things outside of the the devices so whether that's like learning new tricks on the scooter and trying to perfect like a new soccer skill or you know building a fort together in the living room or outside Again those things they do produce dopamine as well but they haven't they're not specific to one thing that can easily start to kind of become the primary source of dopamine or pleasure and you know very we can very quickly sort of think that that's what I need to be happy I need to be on a device or that's my favorite thing to do is to do that. No it's one of the options that you have very easily available to be on that device and to get that pleasure and reward from doing that however these other things that you do also do produce dopamine and joy and all of those good things right we see this with people who become addicted to anything is the more they do it like if they're hooked on a video game and they're playing it a couple of hours and that couple of hours turns into eight hours a day and it turns into all night you know it's very quick that they lose motivation and drive to do anything else in their life and can become quite low mood right so again we see this with the kids in our house we're quite mindful of it now (laughs) all right my friends we have already about to hit 45 minutes so Just a reminder, in part two, we're going to be talking about hormones as it relates to dopamine. We're going to talk about smartphones, how to maintain a higher baseline level of dopamine. I'm going to give you that one natural amazing option to increase your baseline level of dopamine for a long period of time without having that huge negative uh, below baseline effect. And we're also going to talk about intrinsic motivation and how to add dopamine to doing hard things all right my friends if you're enjoying this episode please leave us a review please hit subscribe and also share it with a friend someone who you know will benefit that would be greatly appreciated huge huge love to you all take care I'll see you soon hey friend I know exactly what it's like to feel frustrated and confused with your ADHD and to wish that you could better understand what the hell is going on in your brain And that's exactly why I created my coaching program, Thriving with ADHD. Inside Thriving with ADHD, you learn a step-by-step process to set and finally achieve your goals, to understand yourself and your ADHD. It's where you learn to feel better and manage your emotions and create systems and processes that work for you with your ADHD brain. This is designed for you to learn how to thrive with ADHD so you can create the life that you were meant to live. Visit xenajones.com ADHD to learn more and book a consultation.